Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Our school school song, written in Latin, started with the words, Comgol Noster Columbanus Sanctus Noster Gol, which may be translated, our own Comgol and Columbanus, our very own St. Gol. And those words reflect back to a very significant period in the history of this town, following the foundation in 558 by Comgol of the great monastery at Bangor. This became a significant center of learning with a European reputation, as well as a center of missionary endeavor, sending people out throughout Britain and Western Europe with the message of the gospel. One of the more prominent of the Bangor missionaries was Columbanus, Now, we need to understand that while Christianity had spread throughout Europe as far as Ireland long before the time of Columbanus, paganism was still widespread and following the collapse of the Roman Empire, even areas like France that had been nominally Christian for some time fell under barbarian influence and in many areas reverted to paganism. And where Christianity did survive, it was a dead religion. Columbanus is the Latinized form of the Irish name Columban, meaning white or possibly fair dove. Given the length of time that has elapsed, there is considerable doubt about the date and place of birth. A number of sources give the date of birth as 540, but a long-held tradition has it that Columbanus was born in the year of St. Benedict's death, which would put the date at 543. Similarly, some writers would state that he was born in the kingdom of Meath, lying north of the present city of Dublin. However, it is generally thought now to have been near Carlow, much further south. And given Columbanus's predilection later for mountainous and wooded areas, uh, this would certainly look much more like the sort of area that he came from. Of his family background, we know almost nothing. The fact that he's recorded as having had a good education as a boy, including Latin and Greek, probably suggests that he came from a reasonably well-off background. Uh, The nearest major educational centre to where he lived would have been the great monastic school at Clonard, founded by Finian in 520. And it may be that there was a family connection, because all Columbanus' service as a monk in Ireland was under men who had trained under Finian at Clonard. Uh, In his youth, Columbanus was a handsome young man who began to attract the attention of members of the opposite sex. Uh, This alarmed him. And he sought the advice of a local holy woman, who, he said, warned him, Have you forgotten Samson, David, and Solomon, all led astray by the love of women? There is no safety for you, young man, save in flight. And Columbanus took this advice so seriously that he set out against his parents' wishes. It is said that his mother lay across the door to try and stop him leaving, to join the religious community at Clenish close to the modern village of Belnalec, about five miles from Inniskillen on Upper Loch Erne. The community at Clenish had been founded by Sinel, who had been trained at Clonard under Finian, and the regime there was harsh. The community could only be accessed by water. The food was renowned for its inedibility. Nevertheless, Columbanus flourished and indeed completed a commentary of the Book of Psalms when he was at Clenish. Dates are approximately, uh, understandably approximate, but it seems that Columbanus stayed at Clenish for some five years 
Before moving on to Bangor, where, as we've said, Comgall and another Clonard old boy had established his monastery in 558, uh, life at Bangor was not a lot better than that at Cleanish. Uh, the monks lived in uh, fairly Spartan conditions and ate only once a day in the evening, their food consisting mainly of herbs, bread, and water. But again, Columbanus seems to have flourished at Bangor, where he was held in the highest of regards by Comgol, so much so that when Columbanus expressed the desire to leave and take the gospel to foreign lands where paganism was beginning to re-establish itself, he was at first forbidden to do so. Eventually, we think somewhere in the mid or late 580s, Comgol relented, and Columbanus, along with 12 companions, including Gaul, set out for Europe. While some would suggest that the journey took him by sea to Scotland, then overland to the English Channel, the short sea crossing, used to call it, others point to the existence of two villages in North Cornwall that bear Columbanus's name to suggest that the journey was actually by sea down the Irish Sea to a landing point in Cornwall. And as you can see from that, it wouldn't have been a journey of great comfort. Thence he would have made his way across the toe of England, as it were, to the south coast, and then across the Channel to land close to modern Sam Malo. And again, the existence of villages in the area that bear his name would be seen as proof of his presence in the area. This is his statue at the village of La Coulombe, not far from Saint Malo. In France, Columbanus made an immediate impression with his imposing appearance and holiness of life. He quickly came to the attention of Guntram, the king of Burgundy, that's in eastern France, who asked him to come to minister there. The two arrows represent the journey. On the left is Saint Malo, on the right, Luxui, where he established the monastery in Burgundy. As a result, Columbanus moved and he established, first of all, a monastery at Anagre in the Mavos Mountains. And when this proved too small, at nearby Luxui, where a former Gallo Roman castle was taken over, the monastery at Luxui quickly became a major religious centre. And it was estimated that during Columbanus's relatively short time there, 63 men went from Luxui to France, Germany, Switzerland, and Italy, bearing the Christian message. Columbanus could, however, be a headstrong and opinionated man, and he soon found himself in conflict with not only the French bishops, but with the ruling families. The issue with the bishops was the dating of Easter, which the Celtic Christians dated differently. And that dispute was so bitter that Columbanus sought the support of the Vatican, <clears throat> which was not forthcoming. The issue of the ruling families was their profligate and immoral lifestyles. And after continued attacks from Columbanus, King Thierry, who was Guntram's successor, ordered the expulsion of Columbanus and the other Irish monks from France. The group was taken to Nantes, over on the left, where a boat was provided to return them to Ireland. However, an unseasonal storm drove the boat back to shore and the deeply superstitious boatman refused point-blank to go any further with Columbanus and his friends on board. And as a result, the Irish contingent made their way across northern France to Soissons, the capital of the kingdom of Neustria, and then into Germany and along the Rhine to Lake Constance, where he established a monastery at Bregenz. And here Gaul, another of the Bangor missionaries, preached with considerable success. And when, after a short period of time, maybe not much more than a year, 
Columbanus moved on. Gaul remained in that area and went on to establish the great monastery at St. Gallen. Meanwhile, Columbanus crossed the Alps into the kingdom of Lombardy. He reached Milan, the capital, in 512, and was warmly welcomed by the king, who granted him land at Bobbio, you see at the bottom there, in a deep valley through the Apennine Mountains between Milan and Genoa. Now, having first of all repaired a partly derelict church, Columbanus went on to establish yet another monastery. But he was now an old man, and in his last years he spent little time in Bobbio itself. He lived instead as a hermit in the hills overlooking the village, communicating with the monastery through a single intermediary. He died in November 615 and was buried in Bobbio, where his tomb can still be seen. Now, it's difficult for us today to appreciate the language of 6th century missionary endeavor, but Columbanus and the Irish missionaries preached a message of individual repentance and faith. They went fearlessly into predominantly pagan areas and saw many of those pagans coming to faith. Columbanus was a prolific writer, and it's surprising that given the length of time involved, we still have surviving to us today a book of penance or on penance, a book of sermons, a number of letters, a book of Latin poems, and two monastic rules, one for the guidance of individual monks and the other for community guidance. As we've already seen, Columbanus was not afraid to stand up to authority, and he was not beyond criticizing even the Pope. In one letter, he called upon the incumbent Pope to prove his Christian orthodoxy, and possibly aware that he'd probably overstepped the mark, he excused himself by saying, I'm sorry if I was rude, but that's the way we Irish are, you know. He was also, it seems, hard to get on with at times, and there was certainly a very deep break of fellowship with Gaul, which Columbanus eventually took steps to resolve. Nevertheless, he was and is highly regarded to this day. One eulogy reads like this, a man more holy, more chaste, more self-denying, a man with loftier aims and purer heart than Columbanus was never born in the island of Ireland. I want to finish with Columbanus' own words. Going back 1,500 years, our whole life is like the journey of a single day. Our first duty is to love nothing here, but let us place our affections above, our desires above, our wisdom above, and above all, let us seek our home, for the fatherland is where our father is. Oh, and by the way, he is also the patron saint of motorcyclists. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.